Welcome! Welcome to a throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. Joining me today is uh, Sean Campbell. We've got producer Mason running the show. And we've also got a special guest, our special correspondent, our fifth Beatle, if you will. Coming back again to talk of a lot of things is our old friend, Larry Henry Jr. How are you doing today, Larry? Hey, Mike. Uh, glad to be with you again. Doing well. Hey, guys. Um, glad to be with you. Um, obviously, still trying to take in what happened today in uh, FIFA World Cup action. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. But, uh, but uh, yeah, glad to be back with you. Excited for the U.S. men's national team this weekend, taking on the Netherlands. And uh, also uh, excited to break down the uh, recent moves by St. Louis City SC as they near uh, at their debut MLS season. So glad to be w- with you guys again. And we're glad to have you. And if uh, you still aren't familiar with Larry, he's managing editor of uh, SBI Soccer and uh, also is a contributor with MLS Next Pro, as well as often on this show. Uh, he's also he's always on Twitter with a lot of information as well. And uh, we'll give you that information in the show notes and a little later on the show as well. And uh, we want to go ahead and just really jump into it. We're going to start off, uh, even though the World Cup is still going on, and for your information, we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, We just finished and saw Germany get knocked out of the World Cup right before we started recording. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about the hometown team first, because that's what people really want to hear. And... uh, I'll ask you, Larry, uh, how did you rate St. Louis City's expansion draft and a couple of the other uh, moves they made after the picks were made? Overall, I I really liked their expansion draft. Um, Going through the guys that they picked, um, I I think there's a lot of good uh, MLS talent there. A lot of guys maybe still trying to get to that their best level in MLS when you look at um, the amount of years that they've been in the league. Uh, A couple guys that, you know, have come over from Europe and played in MLS, um, you know, the last p- season or two, um, getting, I think Nick, Nick Giacchini, uh, Indiana Vasilev, those two guys, I think will, um, you know, young talents, uh, uh, you know, national team players, whether it's with the youth national teams in the past, or I know Giacchini was with in, in the gold cup, uh, roster, uh, in 2021. So, uh, I think those two guys will bring, you know, a little bit of flair to the attack for, for St. Louis. Um, I think Vasilev obviously a little more proven just cause he's been able to, you know, get on the score sheet a little bit with inner Miami over the past two seasons. Giacchini maybe struggled a little bit with the adjustment to MLS. Obviously he wasn't really uh, in the best form, uh, in France before he made the move to Orlando city. So, uh, I think, it's two new opportunities for those players uh, getting John Bell uh, new England revolution defender, I think is a, is a really good pickup because um, you know, yes, he hasn't really played too, too much over the last two seasons, but um, you know, he had obviously, I think better, maybe uh, you know, more experienced center backs in front of him uh, with the revolution uh, in terms of Andrew Farrell and, and Henry Kessler. Um, so I think, that, again, a new opportunity for him, really like what he does out of the back, you know, spreading the ball around, making good decisions, uh, being, uh, you know, a strong 1v1 uh, defensively. Um, John Nelson, I think uh, another kind of experienced guy in MLS the last few seasons, you know, um, I get most recently with Cincinnati. Um, so I think that's a, another 
you know, good player to add there, guy who knows the league now. Um, they were able to get Jake LaCava for a cup of coffee and then trade him off uh, to, you know, to, um, was it to Miami, correct? Uh, uh, the Miami. Red Bulls. Red no, he Bulls? came, I thought he came, he came from, the, from Red the Red Bulls. Oh, he went to Miami. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, so you're able to get 150k in uh, allocation money for for him. So I think that's a, a pretty good trade off. Plus, you know, you could get another 100k in incentive. So I think that's a really good uh, turnaround for a guy who's mainly just featured in the USL uh, and actually has done pretty well over the last few seasons uh, in the USL. So uh, I think that was a good, um, you know, good little move there as well. Uh, and then obviously getting Tim Parker, I think the biggest name of that group uh in the trade with the dynamo um you know for uh is it is it uh 250k in in allocation money in in 2023 and 24 so uh, obviously veteran defender uh you know former national team guy has played a boatload of minutes in mls i think will add uh, um even more experience to that back line that that already you know you have josh yarrow uh, who has MLS experience in the past. So I think getting Parker was a, a necessity and a guy I think who's going to be a, a leader right away. And then uh, and then closing out the, the long list of uh, transactions, uh, getting Jake Nervinsky, uh as a free agent signing, um, you know, from the who last featured the last six seasons with the Whitecaps. I think uh, really good, uh, you know, versatile fullback there, um, really good defender. So I think uh, being able to pick him up um, again, just gives you more experience in this team that uh, I think needs it. You know, you're going to need a lot of guys that have been in, you know, know this league, played in this league. Uh, and uh, I think they did a, a really good job of of uh, picking some youth, but also picking some needed experience, uh, whether in the expansion draft and also in some uh, free agent signings and uh, and the trade as well. Yeah. And with that uh, Tim Parker trade, not only. Uh, did they get some salary cap relief with uh, Houston picking up uh, up to $425,000 of his uh, salary approaching a million each of the next two seasons? But he also had his heyday within the Red Bull system. That's uh, the closest equivalent that we're going to have for what we expect to see from St. Louis City here. And also uh, Nerwitzki, just a, a classic expansion uh, team sort of pickup guy with uh, still with some gas left in the tank a lot of mls experience fits into your budget cap uh and uh just a a, a classic pickup for an expansion draft uh team don't you think oh definitely yeah and uh you know i think he could still offer a lot to the team i mean he's 28 years old um he's played over 100 140 games in mls you know so um you know i know he played didn't probably have the most successful time with with the Whitecaps, but overall, you know, played a lot of minutes. Played, I think it's seventeen hundred minutes uh, or more in each of the last six seasons. So uh, versatile, durable, uh, able to make an impact. So um, yeah, I think it was a, a really good pickup by them. And uh, again, you want to have that. You want to have those youth uh, signings. You know, Vasilev and and Giacchini. I get. I guess you can still kind of count him as as pretty young uh, compared to some of the other forwards in the league. But um, but then you also need that experience. And I think Parker, again, like you said, in, in the Red Bull system in the past, has bounced around with some teams. Uh, and we'll just, you know, him and Nerwinski, I think, will bring some added uh, leadership to the back line. No, absolutely. And then you've got Roman Berkey and goal 
coming from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Joaquin Nielsen, Spanish international, played with Armenia Bielfeld at center back, came him up with Tim Parker. Looks like a pretty stout defense going. Nowitzki fills a hole that they had at left back. Uh, so that's a good pickup, and you get that extra MLS experience. All in all, I think Lutz did. A, I agree with you. Lutz really did a good job here so far in building this squad. And I think we're up to how many players? 18 or 19? I think on the 19. Yeah. Almost a full almost a full squad. It's really coming together. As they went ahead and uh, picked up uh, Max Schneider and Ceseo Pompeo, uh, along with already having bringing in Hebert and Yarrow from the MLS Next Pro team. Akil Watts as well, too, right? And yep. Akil yep. Watts. Yep. Yep. So uh, they've already proven themselves in the system. So they make a nice part of the most, probably most of them on the supplemental roster as well. So it's uh, filling out pretty nicely. Still got some holes, but we still got time. I think they're pretty well ahead of the curve at this point in the expansion process. Don't you think, Larry? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, obviously you get those expansion draft picks. I mean, that's just going to add some some guys there. I know we've seen in the past some teams make all five picks and then trade one or two. Um, I, I'm I'm uh, pretty confident and I guess and excited to see that they they stuck with, you know, majority of them except for uh, Lacava. So, um yeah, and then like you said, bringing up I think some of those guys from the from the next pro uh, roster from last season I think is also um, you know re- really good move. I think Pompeo was I was pretty impressed with him uh, at times in next pro. Uh, Akil Watts w- was uh, a dangerous threat for them. Um, you know, yes, you bring in the guys you know like uh, you know Yarrow and and, uh, and Hebert and, and some others. Um, that that uh, it really played a key role for them going all the way to the final. So and it's and it's rewarding too, I think, because again, you want to, you know, you want to have the right guys represent the city, represent the crest, and um, you know, and I think they they a lot of them did that in, in Expo. I, I thought St. Louis uh, in Expo really uh, overachieved, um, you know, with with what they did, uh, and a lot of guys that maybe a lot of people were unfamiliar with now kind of know their names a little bit more. So really like what they're doing and excited to see what else they do. Obviously counting down for that, uh, for that home opener, you know, you guys know I'll be there. Yep. We're looking forward to it. And a little side note for you, basically Larry is, uh, we're expecting now that, uh, the big team starting up that, uh, our MLS next pro team will go a lot more youth and development in the years going forward. I feel like they stacked it pretty much, to see what they what they could pick up and find for the first team uh, in this first season. And also a reminder to everyone, Indiana Vasilev is still considered on loan to Aston Villa. That loan, uh, we believe, is up at the end of the year, so we're going to look to see if uh, Lutz can secure his rights. But uh, I, I think you'll agree, Larry, that's a talent that's well worth taking a flyer on and uh, must have had, uh, Lutz must have had some uh, real thoughts that he could secure the rights uh, come the first of the year. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think he definitely take a take a chance on this kid. Um, really liked seeing him, you know, in the the youth teams with Aston Villa. Whenever whenever I was able to see the uh, the U twenty ones, you know, he's I think he scored nine goals uh, in thirty one appearances with the U twenty ones there, and then um, didn't really get a, obviously a long term chance with the first team. It's always going to be tough to 
you know, for uh, a young kid to, to break into Aston Villa's first team, especially with the amount of money now, the Premier League teams are able to pay, uh, you know, for attacking talent. But um, didn't really, uh, you know, produce much when he was on loan in the lower leagues of England with Cheltenham and with Burton Albion. But I thought um, really came into his own over the last few months uh, with Inter Miami, you know, scored five goals. For them over the past two seasons, I thought was a really kind of impactful player off the bench for them because it was it was obviously hard for him to, you know, maybe crack that starting lineup with uh, Campana and Higuain and others. So um, I think it's a really good move for them. Obviously has experience with the USU national teams in the past, um, really dynamic in his movement. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a really good move by by Lutz and uh I think this will be a you know maybe the start uh, a kickstart for him because he's he's still only 21 yeah we're getting excited it's uh not far away the opening day uh coming up and uh a uh, lot to be excited about in the first season we know it's an expansion team we know it's not going to be easy but uh I think they can be at least competitive and that's really what you want. You don't want to be a team that's blown out all the time in your first season. Uh moving ahead, the real big thing that we wanted to talk to Larry about is you know current current news going on and that would be the World Cup in Qatar. Uh the USMNT did even though it was nervy for many many people at the end, advance out of the group stage and uh, with a 1-0 win over Iran. And they get to go to the round, knockout rounds, the round of 16, going up against the Netherlands. And uh, Larry, I'll uh, ask you this off the top. Uh, how do you rate the U.S.'s uh, chances in that match against the Dutch? Oh, I think I think they have a great chance um, because I know, I know a lot of people might be worried about the Netherlands just for the fact that you know they've uh, they've done exceptionally well offensively. They they have some you know really key guys that are playing in some of you know some of the biggest leagues in the world. But uh, but overall, I think you know now that you get to knockout stage action, you know anything can happen. I think you can kind of throw out the favorites stuff maybe out the window because um, you know I mean like we've seen in the group stage with some of the results today and yesterday. Um, you know anything can happen, and I, I think the although the U.S. men's national team aren't, you know, or maybe finding it a bit difficult scoring goals regularly, they're they're playing, I think, really outstanding defense. They're playing as a team. They're they're um, you know really working hard for each other. Um, and I think that uh, you know that just kind of maybe fuels you a little more as a player when you you know, get to go out and you see, you know, Tyler Adams covering every blade of grass. You see uh, Eunice Musa, you know, fighting off some of the best midfielders that the, uh, you know, the English Premier League ha- has to offer. Um, you know, you see Christian Pulisic, uh, you know, suffer a pretty kind of scary injury when you when you see it um, scoring the only goal in the win over uh, Iran. So, um, yeah, I think they have a great chance. Uh, the Netherlands, I mean, it won't be easy because they've, Again, they have uh, a lot of veteran leadership on the team. You have, uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk leading the back line, a guy who's, you know, excelled in some of the biggest moments in the world. You have uh, Frank, you have Dave Clausen, he's, uh, I think, you know, you'll see him in the Premier League rather than later. Um, it's a really exciting team. I really like Zoom be a lot of, Matchups all over the field going up against the 
you know, the country of his birth. And uh, yeah, at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time game, because that means I can actually watch it and do something. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, the Dutch will want to probably possess the ball. They're coming from that, uh, you know, that ethos of attack, attack, attack. And that's the kind of team the U.S. could play pretty well against rather than teams that want to go into a more defensive shape. And I think this will allow the U.S. to utilize that uh, what looks to be one of the best midfields in all of the tournament uh, to try to take uh, some of the control of the game away and uh, go after them in transition, which is where these guys, these young players on the U.S. MNT really start to shine is when they can get out and run. I, I do want to say before we get too far away from it, though, um, I, I really think the the big aspect that a lot of that we don't really talk about too much is the fact that we have been so defensively stout throughout this tournament and really in the qualifying leading up to it. Um, we've we've just been really good at, at having a solid defensive shape and good defensive line. And, and it really has been next man up as far as playing in that spot, uh, seeing, you know, Outside of the friendlies, when we were trying to figure out who was going to play with Walker Zimmerman, in reality, it was we're calling in Tim Ream, who's going to play with them. Um, do you, Larry? I do want to ask though: Do you see us starting Zimmerman and Ream again, or do you think uh, CCV is going to get that start over Zimmerman? It's tough because I was even thinking of that earlier in the week, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we, we know kind of now know why Carter Vickers started uh, against Iran because obviously because playing for Celtic in the the Premiership. You know, Celtics going to be favored pretty much in every game they play. So uh, teams are going to bunker down against them. And, and Carter Vickers, you know, if you look at his stats for Celtic, I mean, he, he he passes the ball a lot. Usually, he leads every player in passing. Um, I'm curious though, because I really think uh, Walker Zimmerman might come back into it because um, the Netherlands aren't going to bunker down against the U.S. So uh, I, I think uh, they're going to want the ball. I think the U.S. Um, you know, I fully agree with you. I think they've been really stout defensively. We've seen a lot of good one-on-one defending, whether it's Anthony Robinson against Bakayo Saka from England, you know, whether it's, you know, Serginio Dest in the last game. Um, Carter Vickers came came right in and looked ready to go and delivered a great performance. Um, but I do think, you know, you're going to need, I think when you look obviously at the attackers of the Netherlands compared to the, the attackers of, uh, of uh, Iran, I mean, you got Memphis Depay, you got Gakpo scoring pretty regularly. You got Klaassen, you know, scoring or, or setting up his teammates. So, um, and then you have some guys off the bench, you know, Vincent Janssen and, and some others. So uh, I do think it's a, a much more dynamic attack. And I think you're going to see, um, you know, Walt, Tim Ream and, and Walker Zimmerman back together again, because I think you're going to want to, you know, um, keep those offensive threats neutralized. Yeah, it definitely seems like they brought CCV in because he's got a better uh, better distribution, much like Tim did, and we were going to be holding on to the ball a bit more against Iran. Um, and it seems to me, I, I'm personally thinking Zimmerman's going to get the start over CCV just because he's got the aerial dominance. Um, I, I think we could see him, you know, stopping those crosses and those big long balls over the, over the top. Uh, he's he's probably one of the best people we have in the, in the entire pool for that. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree that it's going to be Tim and, and Walker starting that game. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. And I think too, um, like both, I think both teams are obviously going to aim to do that for sure. Because I mean, you, on one side, you're going to have Walker Zimmerman who we know how he is in the air. And then the other side, you have Virgil van Dyke, and we know how he is in the air. And then you have Nathan Ake next to him as well. Um, both of these guys 
really good in the air. And I think, um, you know, set pieces could be important, something that we hope to obviously see more from the U.S. when when it's their set piece uh, offensively, because I think they've been pretty, you know, disappointing uh so far and um but i think netherlands are going to try to do the same thing uh and try to to win those battles as well because they have guys that can you know score goals uh in the final third like van dyke like ake and some others i was just going to say that leads me on to uh ask larry next about what his overall thoughts were about how the u.s played uh the strengths and the weaknesses we've touched upon a lot but anything else stand out um, yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I'm curious to see kind of how Berhalter lines the team up. I think obviously a lot of guys that will be expected to start, will start, you know, like the, like the back line, um, that we touched on, you know, um, like the midfield Tyler Adams, I think he's obviously, you know, had an amazing tournament, um, you know, winning a lot of duels and covering a lot of ground, um, Yunus Musa, uh, Weston McKinney. Uh, I am curious, though, to see how obviously they line up because, um, you know, everyone saw Christian Pulisic's injury. It sounded like kind of like it would just be a day to day thing, um, you know, whether. But now it obviously sounds like, too, that, you know, you know, they're kind of maybe up against the clock a little bit because the game is is, uh, you know, on Saturday. So, um, you know, will we see him in, uh, you know, for 45 minutes? Can he play 45 minutes? Can he play 60 Will he be kind of an impact sub? And if he has to come off the bench, then, you know, who do you start? Um, uh, you know, you have Brendan Aronson, you have Gio Arena, who's kind of been a little bit of a forgotten man uh, in this tournament, um, which is disappointing because, you know, we, we want to see Gio Arena at his best. And I think he obviously brings a lot to the team. Um, so I'm curious to see, how, obviously, how Berhalter sets it up. But, um, yeah, I think there's obviously still a lot of talent there. Still a lot of guys, I think, that can obviously give more in the final third and, and deliver more. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be a really cool match just to see all the matchups and see, you know, um, you, you know who takes advantage of those matchups. I do want to say one thing that I noticed that was a really, really big strength, uh, really showing itself in, in this group stage so far has been uh, the play of the wingers. Uh, a lot of almost all of our good chances and all of our build-up play came from the wings. It came from um, Jedi Robinson out on the left and Dest on the right playing through and and making those connecting passes, almost like the tic-tac-toe style passing, play, playing through your triangles, cheeky little backheel passes that really threw the defensive defensive the other side off their off their defensive lines. Um, I, I, I it was also posited by one of our friends of the show, uh, Chris. Uh, he, he says that he thinks that that wing play could be a very good asset for us and really help significantly break down that defensive structure, um, when it's there that the Netherlands are going to bring. Uh, and I've seen nothing but evidence from the past three games that shows that that is very, very true that we could see the, the wing play being almost more important than set pieces in this next match. And, and two, just to add, obviously we've, we've seen kind of the struggles a little bit with the number nine role. So I think that obviously getting that wing play consistently having them be impactful. I think that just does even more wonders for the team because you're not really getting, I mean, yes, you're getting, I think good performances out of Josh Sargent and Haji Wright and, and, you know, hold up play and, and, you know, their movements, you know, but they're not scoring, but they're not scoring goals. Um, so someone, I think someone has to, and I think that the wing play, like you said, has been key and, and also seeing the fullbacks, 
really come into their own offensively, right? Because when I think when Jedi Robinson and Serginia Des first really got involved with the national team, we knew these guys could defend, and they were really good 1v1 defenders in, in their, their respective leagues. But it was all about taking that next step offensively because you'd see Jedi Robinson deliver this crazy 50-yard run and then not be able to deliver a great cross into the box. I think both players have obviously added that to their game and I think just make them really good fullbacks, you know, not only for this tournament, but for the long term as well. And I wanted to ask you, uh, have you ever seen the U.S. national team, the men's team, go on the front foot and take the game to a top team in the world like they did in that England game? Where they really were able to dominate them and played on the front foot like that. Do you recall ever seeing a U.S. team do that to a top team and a favorite for a World Cup? No, not at all. Um, it was really, you know, it kind of makes it a little more disappointing just because, like, I was really hoping they got, you know, everybody was, but I was really hoping they got a win out of that because I felt like they deserved it just from the, the amount of work they put in, the amount of pressure they put in. Um, you know, you have these big-name guys on England that obviously had a great first game against Iran. You know, Jude Bellingham, uh, Saka scored twice in that game, and both guys were pretty much invisible that game. You know, you, you didn't really hear much about them. You didn't really see much going on. Uh, you know, actually, the probably the most important impressive player on England that day was Harry Maguire and and that's not really saying much so yeah, it's uh, almost as if you listen to our show because we said almost the exact same thing right after that game yeah he was he was I mean he was great and he kind of rose to the occasion a little bit because everyone was kind of singling Harry Maguire out to be the you know the guy who makes the error concedes the penalty or something like that and he was winning all of his duels in the air and everything so but uh, but back to the u.s i just thought they played an outstanding game deserved more from it matt turner made his save when he you know saves when he needed it especially that important one on mason mount in the first half and um you know and pulisic hits the crossbar so uh and then they had chances even you know outside of that you know haji white had a good chance with a header and and also, I thought they deserved more, but they kind of showed everyone that they can kind of compete with anybody. Um, you know, I know it seemed like in September, the, the you know, everything was going downhill with the performances against Japan and Saudi Arabia. But, um, you know, they really have, you know, rebounded nicely in this tournament. And I, I think that uh, that will that game against England will, will only give them confidence the further they go uh, in this competition. And uh, going back over the group stage, I just wanted to ask you just a couple of really quick thoughts on uh, uh, a few of the players that are uh, interested in in this World Cup. And first of all, we have to get your thoughts on uh, Christian Pulisic's uh, performance in these first three games. Yeah, overall, I thought, you know, looking at some of the key guys, um, you know, I, I probably talked about him you know already but Tyler Adams I thought has been has done amazing for them just in you know wearing the captain's armband um you know we know we know that's the type of player he is with you know with Leeds United and and you know breaking things up and winning duels covering ground you know making smart decisions and uh I just you know a lot of these guys including him you know you wouldn't think it's their first world cup but it is and they just have risen to the occasion uh i think tim ream you know for a lot of the kind of the knocks that he's getting you know for his age and and being 35 years old he's done 
you know, he, he, he calms everything down out there. He, he's that veteran leader in the back and um, makes smart decisions. And I think, you know, is an underrated player when it comes to, you know, in the Premier League, because, you know, when you think of Fulham, you don't think of him as the first guy, you know, you think of Mitrovic and some other guys there, but he he's done outstanding for them and getting him back to the Premier League. And I think has really, um you know, played kind of beyond his years, uh, you know, with uh, so far in the, in the group stage, um, looking at some other guys, I think Jedi Robinson's uh, done well, you know, touched on it a bit, just his ability to get upfield and, and start, you know, um, you know, showing his creativity, whether it's quick passes, whether it's crosses, um, you know, set trying to set up his teammates. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think Eunice Musa is, is also excelled in midfield. So uh, so those are a couple guys there that have impressed me so far. Uh, staying with Polisic, I think, you know, we can see more. I think out of him, yeah, you know, he set up that great goal against Wales, uh, you know, hits the crossbar against England and then, you know, puts his body on the line uh, against Iran and scores that goal. So uh, maybe a little bit unfortunate that he doesn't have more, you know, stats to his name through three games. But I think his leadership, his impact, um, you know, obviously is is uh, has been huge. And, um, you know, maybe we see a little more out of him you know, with the, in the big occasion against the Netherlands, knowing that it's, you know, it's do or die time from here on out. I do want to ask, um, not just on the field, but off the field with Burhalter, how do you think he's coached this whole thing? Um, cause I noticed pretty early on in that England game, uh, that normally we've, we've seen over the last cycle, it's just been a pretty strict four, three, three system, uh, run out by, by Greg every time that we've played a match. But in this, in that game, it seems like he made a switch and then stuck with it versus Iran where we're sitting in a four, four, two when we're on the, we're on the defensive. And then we break out into a four, three, three with Pulisic being that sitting slightly higher out on the wing and then sliding up into a, into a forward attacking role. Um, how how do you think that came like how do you think that came about is that something that Greg's been sitting on for a while is that just a pure genius move he thought of for that game and then is sticking with it realizing it's a great idea or or is it some secret third thing that we can't figure out because soccer twitter has poisoned our brains <laughs> uh yeah i mean i, I kind of think it's something that maybe he's had on the back burner for a little bit because you know when it's world cup time you you do have to come up with new ideas and i'm sure he's he's probably obviously maybe you know heard all the kind of criticism on social media and everything and, and you know with them not you know scoring tons of goals in the build-up to, to these uh to the world cup so um i think it's uh definitely something he's probably had in mind maybe something obviously he's seen out of out of iran with being able to break them down um but overall i think that although probably the Arena kind of incident of not maybe playing him right away or whatever whatever the situation was you know in the first game where Giorena said that he was 100% ready to go he was fine and then you know he didn't get used in that game outside of that I think Greg Berhalter's done a really good job of kind of obviously getting this team into the knockout round you know the only CONCACAF team left in the tournament um, and then you know obviously being well defensively and then being able to grind out some results, um, you know, yes, they could have got more from the England game. They could have probably, you know, held on against Wales before Walker Zimmerman lets up that penalty. But overall, you know, they, they uh, you know, we all expected them to get out of this group uh, and show off a lot of these young guys. And uh, they've done that. So I think 
Berhalter deserves um, definitely some credit for for what he's been able to do so far uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, I've been uh, reading a lot of uh, foreign press after during the World Cup, and there's a lot of the press in England that say that uh, Berhalter has been very smart in running this team, and they have a high praise for him, which is far different than what we hear a lot here in the U.S., which is surprising. And I had uh, one other thing uh, when we talk about players I wanted to ask you. I think this uh, game early in the morning on Saturday is going to highlight two of perhaps the very biggest breakout stars in this World Cup in Cody uh, Gakpo for the Netherlands and Tyler Adams for the U.S. They both have been incredibly impressive, haven't they? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I I said it earlier. I think Cody Gakpo, obviously, he's been, you know, linked with the Premier League already, whether it's, you know, Manchester United, whether it's some other places. Um, he's 23 years old, you know, is, uh, you know, playing, um, you know, club level for PSV. So obviously that's a good that's a good stepping stone. We've seen so many guys over the years, you know, come through the ranks there and then move on to bigger leagues, um, you know, this season for for uh you know for PSV he's got uh 13 goals and 17 assists in 24 games um so which is just you know crazy yes the 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 Dutch league probably you know you see a lot of uh, lopsided score lines but overall he's um you know continuing his development pretty nicely and uh and that's carried over into the world cup um with the Netherlands, you know, and he's got six, six goals now and 12 caps for the country. So it's a pretty good return so far. Uh, and this is a Netherlands team, right? That, you know, obviously we know Memphis Depay is there. We know some other key guys are there in the midfield, but they, they want to, um, you know, they want to find that next kind of star, uh, star attacker because Memphis Depay is, you know, not getting any younger. Um, some of the strikers they have aren't maybe the most consistent on the international stage. Vincent Janssen. And um, you know Stephen Bergwine, I know he he kind of get, gets mixed around as a uh, you know in the forward and winger roles. So uh, I think Gakpo's done uh, outstanding for them, uh, and you know this will be another good good test for him. Uh, I mean I'm excited to see that battle whether he lines up on the the you know the the right side or the left side. But either way, he's going to have I think a tough a tough matchup whether it's Serginho Dest or whether it's Anthony Robinson. I mean both of those guys are going to be uh, you know, kind of chomping at the bit to, to show off what they can do. And then Tyler Adams, uh, you know, can't say enough about the kid. He's, 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 uh, I think he, in my mind, I think he has to be in the conversation, you know, whether, you know, for the best U S player so far in this tournament or, or even in the best 11 for the whole tournament. Absolutely. The young kid stepped up and really owned his role as captain 100%. Um, not just in, in, in saying it and, you know, the way he handled the whole, barrage of of the interviews that he had after that Iran game um but also just showing it on the field being a, leading by example uh getting into every every aspect of the game be it build up be it you know winning challenges uh playing back defensively as almost like a you know a third center back and really being that connecting piece between all of the lines we have um i, I i'd have to say he's probably in my opinion at the current moment the best player we have in the in the pool um, granted that's also with Pulisic playing, you know, not any minutes in premier league. Meanwhile, Tyler Adams is playing day in and day out in the premier league, but, uh, but no, he's, he's absolutely risen to the occasion as have many of these guys, but I think he's done so the most and, and really taken that mantle of, of captain to heart and, and really, really taken to it like a, like a fish to water. 
And uh, with that, uh, you know, Leeds is the fan base there is already, you know, backing Adams to be the next future captain of the Leeds team. So that tells you something about the impression he's made. That's a pretty hardcore fan base there. And uh, Gakpo is uh, also a big target for Leeds. That, that would be, it'd be funny if they both ended up on the same team. But a uh, little bit more World Cup talk. Let's talk a little bit about CONCACAF and the, I guess, the biggest uh, development so far really isn't the U.S. going to the knockout rounds. So they keep doing it year after year. Uh, pretty good track record when they're in the cup. When they make it yeah. to, the, to the actual cup. <laughs> they're kind of elite with the amount of times they've made it lately. But uh, one team that was very elite in that streak is now not going to be playing this weekend. And that's Mexico, who don't advance for the first time in 44 years. And uh, what do you think, Larry? Is this a long-term issue for the L tree or just a blip? Well, I mean, I think when you look at Mexico, right, we, we kind of had some questions about them coming into the World Cup because, uh, I mean, yes, they have a lot of, you know, experience in the team, which, you know, now is, you know, getting older. And we don't know if we're going to see them in 2026, you know, Ochoa and um, some others, Guardado and, uh, you know, some, a few others. So, uh, but overall I was pretty disappointed just with Mexico solely for the fact is, you know, a lot of questions were asked before the world cup, you know, can this team score goals? Can they score consistently? You know, Raul Jimenez hasn't really been back to his, you know, normal self with wolves. Obviously I think the injuries have, haven't really helped with that, but, um, he was kind of, you know, quiet throughout the whole tournament, um, you know, with the game against Poland, they, they didn't really, I think, offer, you know, too, too much in the final third, uh, you know, Henry Martin, um, Lozano, Vega, some others. So, and then when you look at the Saudi Arabia game, it was kind of too little too late, right? You're, you're, you, you finally get some goals going your way. And then the, the stoppage time goal, uh, for Saudi Arabia basically kind of ends that that quest of, of keeping that uh, consecutive round of 16 birth streak alive. So, uh, and then now we see Tata Martino uh, not, you know, leaving the role as head coach. So I think it's going to be a, a bigger kind of turnaround than people expect for Mexico because yes, they kind of similar to the U S where they have some younger guys that are, are ready to make a name for themselves. And um, you know, I think just need that, consistency on the national team level to to get going but but overall i think there's still a lot of questions to ask about this team you know who's going to be the 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 starting goalkeeper for them long term now with with a show obviously getting you know older now um who's going to be kind of those leaders in the midfield you know hector herrera um you know i guess edson alvarez will be that that kind of key guy in the midfield going uh, forward, but then in, then at the forward position, you know, will can Raul Jimenez get back to his best? Can some others kind of step up and, and get their get themselves into the fold? Uh, and and first, who's going to be the coach? You know, so uh, a lot of questions I think that that are going to be answered probably in the next few months uh, with Mexico. But I think coming into this group, it was always going to be tough for them to get out solely because of Argentina being in there. And then I thought Poland too, because you know, you have Robert Lewandowski, you have a consistent scoring threat there. You have a lot of guys in that squad that have played for, for several years together, but, um, and then you have 
you know, that that uh that crazy Saudi Arabia upset over Argentina, which kind of threw a wrench in the in the group, you know, right off the bat. So um, but uh, Mexico was pretty, pretty disappointing for me, especially with the amount of talent they have and the amount of leadership on that team. I almost wonder if if what Mexico is going through right now is very, very similar to what uh, the U.S. went through in that that uh, cycle go- leading up to 2018, where it's it's going to be growing pains. You're going to have to rely on strictly uh, an entire, you know, you're you're relying too much on your older guys. And, you know, you have questions that need to be answered, but you're like, OK, we know these guys could do this, though, but they're getting way too up there. Um, so they, do you think that there's a chance they might miss out completely because they've also fell back on on in, in qualifying this this past cycle? You know, they didn't dominate like they usually do. I mean, heck, Canada beat them out. But uh, would it be out of the realm of possibility to see Mexico miss out? All t- well, they won't miss out altogether because they're hosts. They don't have to go through that. Never mind. Ignore the whole question. It's an absolutely moot point because I forgot that we were joint <laughs> hosting with them. Never mind. But uh, but no, I, I think we're going to see a lot of growing pains out of them. And it, it may be a struggle for for the next World Cup. They're, I don't think they're going to get out of group stage again. But we could see them, you know, the cycle after doing what we just did now except with a completely inexperienced group of guys that are just on a different timeline. But uh, that was the connection I was making there. And I think, uh, well, there's also going to be an expanded World Cup, so there's more teams coming out of CONCACAF. Mexico's good enough even if they slide. But their biggest problem is uh, the U.S. uh, is feeding players into Europe at the age of 20 and 21. They're picking up guys from over there. MLS is feeding uh, including Philadelphia's own Paxson Aronson heading over now at a very young age into Europe, and Mexico keeps holding on to those players and won't let them go. And I think that's going to curb their uh, recovery a little bit, but I'm not in fear of them not making the World Cup. But uh, I just I think we're going to see the U.S. in ascendancy, as often happens for a, a, a in the cyclical way of the way the rivalry's gone for the last 25 years, U.S. is in the ascendancy, Mexico's on the downturn uh, for, a, for a little while. Especially just the way that the age groups have shaken out. There's a very, like, sinusoidal relationship there. But uh, also with CONCACAF, we've seen Canada and Costa Rica. Costa Rica was able to, uh, you know, keep their fan base engaged till the 75th minute of the third game of the... Uh, of the uh, group stage, whereas Canada, you know, went out with no points. Kind of disappointing for Canada. There was some infighting between the players and the federation there, and uh, no experience with anybody on the team coming into a World Cup. What's your thoughts on those two clubs and their futures heading forward as well? Yeah, I think uh, starting with Costa Rica, um, you know, because they they uh, were eliminated today. Um, you know, credit to them. I thought coming into this group, right, I didn't really give them any much of a chance with Germany and Spain and uh, and even Japan and um, and the fact too that they got pummeled right in the uh, in the first game against Spain. And uh, you know, it's got to be pretty demoralizing. You know, your first game in the World Cup tournament and and you get pummeled like that against a team that you know is technically better than you and and does a lot of great things passing the ball and can score in a bunch of different ways but but i thought they rebounded nicely they had that 
that uh that you know that game against Japan where where Keisha Fuller got the goal. It was funny. I was uh, pretty sure the the Keisha Fuller's first goal uh, for the national team I saw in person, which was against the the U.S. in World Cup qualifying in Columbus, and uh, and then you know he scored his his second goal, uh, which wins the game against Japan. So. Uh, so I, th- I thought they did obviously well to bounce back from the Spain hammering. Um, you know, they, they played really well defensively in that game against Japan. And then today really, you know, through everything, through, everything at a Germany side that really, you know, needed to win, um, you know, d- to avoid being embarrassed, uh, you know, in this kind of a bit in this world cup. So, uh, I think Costa Rica, you're going to see again, maybe some questions like Mexico where, you have obviously a lot of experienced guys. I mean, Kaylor Navas is 35. Kendall Watson is, uh, you know, is 34. Uh, you know, some other guys that have been on there for a while now, you know, Brian Ruiz, uh, Joel Campbell's, you know, those are, those guys are getting older, but, um, you know, I think there are some, definitely some, some nice young talent in the mix. Brandon, uh, Aguilera, the 19 year old who, um, you know, I think we saw a little bit in world cup qualifying, you know, he started, uh, today, uh, at left midfield. So I think he's a guy they're going to kind of groom for the future. I think we also saw him in the, uh, the CONCACAF U20 tournament with, with Costa Rica as well. So, um, you know, for them, it's about, again, getting maybe those middle-aged guys, you know, ready for that next World Cup run for qualifying and then also getting these young guys some experience. Uh, Canada, uh, yeah, you said it. I was pretty disappointed um, with them, you know, just for the fact that, uh, you know, they uh, they, they walk away with, with the, uh, no points. Um, the Croatia game, I thought, was pretty uh, pretty bad to see because they didn't really offer much other than the first goal which uh, you know Alfonso Davies scored uh, it was great service into the box and he scores and then after that it was just it was just all Croatia you know showing that veteran experience in in, in competitions uh, and score four unanswered so uh so yeah pretty disappointing with Canada I, I do think obviously still a bright future for them um you know along with the U.S. because they do have some young guys yeah, you know, they can build on Davies, um, Ismail Kone, Buchanan. Uh, you know, who's already being linked with some some bigger European moves. Uh, Alistair Johnson, who you know, closing in, I guess, on that move. Uh, you know, to Celtic uh, in January. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Canada fan, even though it was a, a pretty short stay in Qatar. Um, so I think, but I think right now when you look at CONCACAF, it's going to be Canada, the U S and then, <laughs> then everybody else. Cause I'm not really convinced right now with Mexico until we start seeing, you know, some, some young guys given maybe more of a chance and, and, uh, especially, you know, in Europe. Yeah. And, uh, the one thing that, uh, Canada and Costa Rica have going for them is they have utilized the growth of MLS to develop players. You know, there's a lot of players you mentioned uh, from Canada that are going to go over to Europe at a long a young age that have cut their teeth in MLS. Mexico hasn't really done that with your young players, and I think that might be a telling stat going forward because MLS has a proven now pro- pipeline to Europe. Uh, Mexico does not, really. But uh, one last thing about the World Cup. You know, we're not done at all with this year. I think the U.S. can very much give the Dutch a game in a knockout round and very much could advance. Um, But uh, 
the big thing is, what's the impact of this experience, four games in a World Cup, for the USMNT in the 2026 World Cup at home upcoming? Is this as big a deal as I, do you think it's as big a deal as I think it is? Uh, de- definitely. Yeah. I think when you look at this experience, right. I mean, a lot of these guys have never been in a world cup or, you know, these big, big moments like this. Um, so I think it's just more experiences for them, more experiences to grow together as a team. A lot of these guys will be again, the key guys going into 2026, like, like Pulisic, like, Adams, McKinney, Des, Musa. I mean, the list kind of just grows even bigger and bigger, uh, you know, with every game they play. Um, you know, someone else kind of steps up and you're like, okay, you know, we can pencil that guy in for, you know, being a, a you know, a star maybe by 2026 happens. Um, so I think it, it's huge for them. It gives them obviously experience against some of the best players in the world. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, um, I think just gets them more ready for 2026 what to expect you know it'll be on home soil um they'll they'll have obviously a lot of their fans you know tons and tons of their fans supporting them and and wanting the best for them and you know following them following them from game to game so uh, i think it's huge for them and then now you know when the world cup does come to an end you know these players can go back to their club teams kind of use those use those experience experiences for for bigger moves in their career you know a lot of these guys you know have big futures ahead of them uh, in january whether it's you know christian pulisic whether, whether he'll be at chelsea or not whether he'll be on loan somewhere um you know weston mckinney whether he'll still be at juventus whether he'll he'll make a premier league move or Yunus Yunus musa you know getting more interest from the premier league um you know after before when he was with you know arsenal's academy so uh, I think there's going to be a lot of guys, you know, definitely going to grow from this, um, not only at their club level and, and making a, a bigger move down the road, but um, but also in their international uh, futures as well. Yeah, there'll be even the ones that are on the sidelines uh, could still be part of that. You know, what we don't have at this World Cup is guys down the roster that have been through this. We've lost a whole generation. And just keep this thought in mind. Uh, Musa and Reyna won't even be 28 until the 2030 World Cup. <laughs> oh man, we've got if if these guys keep growing on the trajectory that they're on, I okay okay I'm calling it now. And when we look when we look back at this in four and then also in eight years, we can all call me a liar and make fun of me for it. But uh, I if, if there's ever been a generation of of players. That could get us that that elusive trophy. It's this one. I'm not saying home field advantage is going to get us there, but I'm saying home field advantage is a very strong possibility of getting us there. So uh, I'm, I'm staking it right now. I'm putting down my two dollar bet while we're already, you know, still at thirty thousand to one U.S. winning twenty twenty six. I at home by tw- there might be future stars even for twenty twenty six that we don't know yet that are about to break through. But all these guys will have experience and be able to bring them through and uh, season them. So that's something to get excited about. Yeah, I got thoughts that in four years, Pepe could be a real threat. Spot if he can Sergeant. get back on track. Yeah. If he can get back on track, a la Sergeant did to get back into the squad like Sergeant has, Pepe could be an absolute monster. Um, 
Well, he's been doing well by checking back in the midfield, playing hole up, drawing center backs away from where they need to be. He's been doing the the things you don't see on the score sheet. And I always I always like to see that um, unless, of course, it's PV playing Kyrie Shelton and hoping that he can do that because all the flashbacks. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, I don't want to have an MLS horror story anymore. We're done. <laughs> yeah, but Sergeant does a lot of the unsexy stuff, but also like he'll be like wide open in the mouth of goal. And they don't pass it to him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that's these young guys not having the experience of knowing, hey, don't be selfish in this exact moment and being able to differentiate when you need to take a guy on and when you should pass it off to the other guy because he's got the better spot. Um, it's I want to be the guy that everyone remembers for doing that amazing play and not, hey, I built up to the amazing goal that got us to that spot. Um, that's the inexperience shining through, in my opinion, is what that is. And I want to thank Larry for his time. We're taking up a bit of it today, but this is great stuff. But uh, before we let him go, I just have to ask, because he's from the Philadelphia area and he was at, in L.A., in early November. Hey, Larry, give us some of your thoughts on that MLS Cup experience. Uh, what was the atmosphere like there at Bank of California Stadium that day? Definitely one of the best, you know, experiences, you know, of my journalism career, but also just as a fan of the sport, um, you know, being able to go out there. You know, I've never actually been that far west. Uh, it probably, you know, in my life. Uh, so going all the, across country kind of really much on short notice because the union had played on Sunday night and then and, and to turn around and, and, and I was able to kind of get, I was able to, you know, maneuver some things at my day job that, to get to go for a few days. And um, basically it was a 48 hour trip. I actually went to the Phillies game, uh, World Series game on, uh, I think was it Wednesday. And, and uh, that was the game the Phillies got no hit. Um, absolutely and, uh, brutal stretch yeah, for you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, pretty, pretty, it was memorable in the fact that I could say I was at the world series and MLS cup in like a three day period, but both teams ended up losing. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it was really great experience. Uh, awesome stadium they have out there. Um, really cool view from the press box. You get to see, you know, the big buildings in the back of LA. And, um, I, I just thought the, the LA fans definitely showed up, you know, going throughout the, the city, you could see people with jerseys on, you know, Thursday and Friday, um, and credit to the union fans, you know, they, they, they traveled out there. I got some good, good videos of them walking into the stadium, you know, they're, they're high-fiving us and everything. Um, I kind of had to hide my fandom a little bit because, uh, you know, I do, really enjoy watching the union and and seeing them develop over the years you know went to the first game they ever had and uh you know so um a crazy game for sure uh had to change the intro to my story about 10 times because <laughs> uh in the last two minutes because of all the goals uh gareth bale i know my friend my 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 close friends will will never let this down but i actually texted them when gareth bale scored um, and they were on a delay watching the, the broadcast. So, uh, oh, no. let's, just say, let's just say I didn't get, uh, I got a few obscen obscenities thrown at me and then, uh, <laughs> didn't get spoken to till I got home. Um, but, uh, cause they were already partying and thinking the union had, had probably had it wrapped up, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, stinks for the union because this was that first, that next step for them getting the MLS cup. Um, beating NYC FC to get 
there. Um, and they, and they held their own for a team that, you know, doesn't spend tons of money, um, you know, goes through building through the Academy and then, you know, Ernst Tanner's done a great job. Jim, Jim Curtin's done a great job there, be, you know, picking the right players for the team. Um, and, you know, we saw some of them, you know, get on the score sheet that day, you know, Daniel Gazdag and Jack Elliott, um, you know, so it was a really awesome game to be at. Disappointing, you know, to see the union kind of come out on the, the losing end of it. Um, but overall, um, if you guys ever get to go out there uh, for a game, it, it's awesome. I really had a fun time. Great facilities they had. Um, got to reconnect with some old friends. And um, and then, <laughs> then after the game, fly home on a red eye uh, and watch the Phillies get eliminated from the World Series. So that mm. was uh, <laughs> a, a sour end to a uh exciting few days yeah it's got to be tough doing that as a journalist when you have that team uh stam skate Sk- put out on twitter that paul tenorio when costa rica took the lead he was at the stadium that day not sam and he says i think he's probably unconscious by now <laughs> 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 but uh yeah watching it from home you know, going in, I was really excited about this game because these were two very closely matched teams, very good teams coming in. I expected a heck of a game, and it far surpassed even my high expectations. That was something else. Um, now, as for the Union, they keep ticking up the ladder. You know, Supporters' Shield, Eastern Conference Finals, uh, it go to penalty kicks, and then the MLS Cup Finals losing penalty kicks. Are they still prepared to make that next step next year? I think they are, because when you look at the amount of guys that they're returning, I mean, they're really returning a a lot of the key starters. Uh, I know that some guys have been linked with, you know, moves overseas. We've already seen Paxton Aronson get his transfer, which, you know, that news broke, you know, before, um, you know, the report from Tom Bogert came out actually why we were on the sidelines uh, at, at media day the day before the cup um that Aronson would be moving to, to Eintracht Frankfurt um and I think it's a great move for him uh not to get off subject a little bit but I think great move for him um another testament to the, the union's academy and the, and the work they put in there um and I think a, a unique move for him going to the Bundesliga um but overall looking at the union squad um you know you have a lot of key guys returning you have that dynamic attack with with Gazdag, Carranza, and, and uh, Ura. Um, you have Ali Bedoya, you know, uh, his veteran experience there. Jose Martinez, you know, his defensive abilities as a midfielder. Um, you know, Kai Wagner and that, that back line, which, you know, just, you know, plays so well with each other and, and knows their job. Uh, Glessness and Elliott, you know, one of the underrated you know, probably in my eyes, the best center back duo in the league. Uh, when you look at, you know, the story, the backgrounds of these guys and how the union were able to get them. I mean, Jack Elliott was a fourth round draft pick. Um, Jacob Lesnes was playing in Norway. Um, not really the league everyone goes to first when they go to scout. Um, and then you have Andre Blake, who, you know, is the best goalkeeper in the league. So, um, yes, they lost a couple guys. They lost, you know, they lost Corey Burke, who goes to the Red Bulls. But I think it's a great situation for him to play regularly and, and play more than maybe just an impact sub. Um, and now with a couple guys leaving, like Aronson, uh, like Burke, like Sergio Santos did early in this earlier in the season, you're just giving more opportunities now for a lot of those other young guys that, 
um, maybe weren't getting tons of minutes, like Quinn Sullivan, uh, like Jack McGlynn, um, you know, who, you know, obviously um, started that game in MLS Cup. I think it's a great experience for him now. Um, and, and then some other guys, you know, whether, you know, they come up through the ranks like Chris Donovan, uh, um, you know, some other guys that played next pro. So, uh, I think the union will, I think they have to be the favorites in the East because they haven't really lost a lot of people and they still have a, a great foundation, uh, returning. So, uh, I think it's going to be theirs to lose in terms of the East. And I think they have to be up there with LAFC for the favorites in the league, um, because they've continued to take those steps. Now it's about kind of, you know, kicking the door down all the way through the season and uh, and and winning it. And, and with the way they lost that game though in the MLS Cup, it was just like, you know, I've seen some obviously seen some kind of cruddy moments in Philadelphia sports history, and then I'm like, this is such a Philadelphia way to kind of go out. Um, you know, former former uh, union goalie John McCarthy playing the hero uh, in LA. So, uh, but I think they have a great chance to, uh, to get back for sure. Yeah. It felt a little bit like I was kicking you while you were down, but when Kai Wagner slipped, I was like, man, this is the most Philly way for this to go. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, it was just after the, uh, um, cause that was right after uh, Christian Tello missed. Yeah. And uh, so right as soon as, soon as Blake makes that save, I'm kind of like holding in all my emotion in the press box and uh, I'm sitting with my colleagues and they all kind of give me a look to, you know, I would never cheer, never would never cheer in the press box, but I was like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. And then Wagner misses, or was it Wagner? Or was it, it was God's dog. I think you slipped. I think it was God's dog. That was slipped. it God's dog? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Wagner got stopped. He got stopped. Yeah, he got stopped. And uh, and I was it was just disappointing, too, because all the guys you thought that would take the shots, you're like, OK, God's dog's not going to miss. Uh, and he slips. And then Wagner, who has a really deadly left foot and, and he gets saved. And I'm uh, just like, oh, and, you know, and I have some, you know, my my uh, my fiance's brother actually grew up playing with John McCarthy. And uh, oh, in, man. Like, oh. In youth league, so it was like, like her her uh, her dad was texting me through the game, and he's like, "This is brutal," and it, and it's John McCarthy too, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's, yeah." It, you couldn't write it. It's like a storybook kind of ending if you're L.A. and a, a dismal one for the Union. Um, but you know, great for him because watching him for, with the Union, um, always a classy guy, always made time to talk to to media, and, and was really nice about it. And um, to to see him kind of get rise up in that occasion um you know it's things for maxim Cripo who got got hurt in that game but and missed the world cup but um for mccarthy a, a kind of a journeyman in, in mls uh and the usl um you know it's pretty awesome to see him kind of play the hero in that role and two guys that scored goals in that game that you wouldn't expect with all the attacking talent like kellen acosta gets a deflected free kick goal jack elliott scores twice i, I wanted to know what the betting odds were on jack elliott to score twice i, w- I probably could have retired <laughs> but. so does jack elliott want to know the odds on that? <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh you talk about, yeah, I do think the Union should be favored perhaps to win the Cup or be close there, but uh, might have some challenges in the East. Uh, one last question for you. Atlanta United go and take away Garth Lagerway from the Seattle Sounders and put him in as president. Uh, do, is, 
if, if Messi doesn't sign with uh, Inter Miami, is this the best signing of the MLS office season? Yeah, I really think it is. Um, it was kind of came out of nowhere, right? Because I just kind of been focused so much on the World Cup and everything, and then you see this kind of curveball out of you know out of uh, left field with with Lagerway going to Atlanta, and I think it's just a great move for the for the franchise because we we've seen them. We know what they're capable of. I was able to be there in that MLS Cup when when they when they won it on on home soil and um you know obviously there's been obviously some changing things right you know Miguel Almarone goes to to Europe um you know then the next few years you still have Joseph Martinez you bring in some other guys to mix around him Miles Robinson gets hurt a lot of key guys this season got hurt Brad Guzan um some others uh, Martinez maybe doesn't, you know, put up the same production as, as he's used to, but I think you also see, you know, the, the blooming star of, uh, Tiago Almada who made his debut world cup debut with, with Argentina, um, you know, uh, in this tournament. Um, so I think Lagerway is going to do a great job there. Um, you know, still have a, a really strong foundation of players there that want to win guys you can, you know, build off of. They recently just signed Derek Etienne, uh, you know, who's with the crew, uh, and, you know, in the Red Bulls um, as well before that. So I think that's another really dynamic signing for that attack. We know how they want to play. Um, and I think, you know, again, it's going to be about, you know, revolving around some key guys. Um, but I think they just got to be better, cons- you know, consistently, right, through the whole season. Because we've seen, we saw spurts from them last season, and then they would just kind of go back to their old ways. And I know the injuries didn't help, but uh, I think Lagerway is going to do a great job there. And I think Atlanta United is going to, you know, do better than people think for sure, because, you know, there's still a lot of guys there that, um, you know, want to win and guys that have been there when they won MLS cup, you know, was it three, four years ago now? I think uh, the biggest takeaway that he'll bring in the first season is I was astounded to hear that Atlanta United has one of the worst, uh, you know, metrics department, uh, statistics department in the entire league. Seattle's been on the forefront of that. He'll change that right away. And with the money that Arthur Blank supplies to that team, I think that'll make a huge difference. But uh, we kept you kind of long today, Larry. Sorry about that, but really good stuff. Uh, Go ahead and tell the people where they can find out your work. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Thanks for having me again. Always love being on. And um, yeah, you can find my work over at SBI Soccer. Um, we're doing a lot of great things with the World Cup. You know, my my uh, my go-to guy, senior uh, guy, Ivis Galarcep's over there in Qatar. So he's been uh, providing all the, the 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 main stories there on the USA. So follow him as well because he's uh you know while while I'm sleeping uh, here uh, he's up and writing and vice versa you know so. Uh, so he's doing a great job there and, um, you know, you can follow our work over at SBI soccer MLS next pros on a little bit of a, a break now, but, uh, we'll be back into it and in, probably in January with a lot of these new teams coming into the mix. Excited to see that, um, you know, kickstart as well. So, uh, SBI soccer MLS next pro and also on Twitter, L Henry zero one nine. And he's the hardest working man in soccer outside of maybe Ivis. And if you all don't know who <laughs> Ivis is alone, much less Larry, now where you been? Uh, but I think that'll do it for this throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean.
And for our special correspondent and our fifth Beatle, Larry Henry Jr., we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.